Now, every second of his life, he felt rejected. Uh, all of his life, he had been made to feel that he did not belong to the rest of society. You see, everywhere he went, he had to identify himself as less than others. He had to stay socially distant, we might say. In fact, his only comfort in life is that he was not alone in this situation. There were others who lived lonely just like him. And so he had decided to join up with them. You see, there was no cure for their disease. Uh, they, have added, they had added for the rest of their lives and it had rotten uh, their skin. The Bible calls it leprosy. They could not get jobs. They could not go on holiday. They had no hope of a better life. No hope of change. Until something amazing happened. History tells us that this broken man with his nine friends met Jesus of Nazareth. And instead of Jesus keeping distance from him and his friends, he showed them love. And then Jesus said a word. And as the man and his broken friends walked away from Jesus, as they made their way home, the Bible tells us that the disease that had ravaged all of them disappeared. For the first time in their lives, they were all clean and they were free. New skin all over them. The man could not believe it. And I imagine his heart started to pound with relentless joy. He must have started dancing. He must have raised his arms in the air and just said, Wow, my life is so fresh, it's new. You see, Jesus had healed him. In fact, Jesus had healed all of them. All ten men. He had healed them of leprosy. And it seems all of them immediately got so excited that they started running and tell everybody they could find. Well, not all of them. In fact, the Bible tells us that one man reacted differently. You see, after he realized he was healed, he stopped walking. A new sense of gratitude flooded his heart. And so he thought to himself, I can't go forward with my new life without first going backwards. I can't go forward with my new life without first going back to the person who gave it to me. I need to go back to Jesus. And I need to show my thanks to him. And so the Bible tells us that this man turned around. He ran back to Jesus. And when he came to Jesus, he fell to the ground. And then he said to Jesus, Thank you. Thank you. And we read that story, of course, in Luke 17 of Jesus' healing of the ten lepers. You see, that story reminds us that there is something within all of us that senses that our lives are better because of the kindness and provision of others. And we call this recognition of how other people bless us thankfulness or gratitude. The thankfulness in life reminds us that we are not alone in life. The presence of thankfulness in the world reminds us that we are meant to live with a deep appreciation of other people. Our parents, right? Our friends, the government, the church. All of us, police people, right? 
policemen and women. It reminds us that we owe our lives to others. And we are meant to live with that deep appreciation of them and, and just how good they have been to us. And yet, if you remember that story correctly from Luke 17, when that broken man returned to Jesus, the question Jesus asked that man and people were around reminds us that something has gone terribly wrong with thanksgiving. Do you remember what Jesus asked? Jesus says, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? As no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner, this Samaritan. You see, the failure of the nine lepers to show gratitude reminds us that many of us struggle to give thanks to others. We find it difficult to say, thank you. Now, we, all of us know that it is right and proper to be thankful, but somehow all of us struggle to give proper thanks. And of course, the question we have to ask this morning is, why are we like that? Why do we struggle to express gratitude? There are many reasons, but I think the big reason is pride, isn't it? Giving thanks assaults our self-made motto. It forces us to admit that we are helpless. We need others in our lives. And that is hard for many of us living in the Western world today. We like to think of ourselves as self-made. We don't want to be humbled. And so we don't like giving thanks. It is hard to give thanks. And so if we are honest this morning, we understand the nine lepers who seem too happy to go back and thank God for their new life. And that brings us to the heart of the problem I want us to think about today. And it is this. If giving thanks to each other is difficult for many of us, it is even harder to give thanks to God. It is harder to give genuine thanks to God. We struggle to give thanks to God, genuine thanks to God, for many reasons. For one thing, we start off in life in this world as enemies of God. The Bible says everyone enters this world as a sinner. We might say we enter this world with spiritual guns aimed at God. We are his enemies. And who wants to thank, genuinely thank their enemy? No one. So we are sinners, so it's hard for us. And even when God saves us, gives us a new heart, we become born again. He floods his Holy Spirit in our hearts and we become born anew. We learn to give thanks, but remember there is still remaining sin in us. We are still in this world. We are still struggling. We are still being sanctified. We are still becoming outside who we already are inside, we might say. So it is hard for us to give thanks, even if we are truly, genuine, born-again Christians. And of course, the other reason it is hard for us to give thanks is because we live in a world of pain and suffering. We live in a world of COVID-19. We live in a world where people be abiated by Islamists during the day. And in our own lives, we live in a world of fractured relationships, difficult parenting, job losses, depression, financial debt, anxiety, terminal illness, and loved ones who die. 
And yet, as we think about this world we live in, we recognize that this world, the Bible tells us, is still under God's watch. And so we find ourselves asking this question, how do we give thanks to God when pain and suffering are the garments we wear every day? You see, giving thanks is hard. We are at war within and we are at war in the place we live in. And maybe I think that is why the Bible always encourages us to give thanks throughout the scriptures. God knows we need the Bible to strengthen our being. We need the Bible to strengthen us to do and give proper thanks to God. And this morning we are looking at Psalm 100, which our brother Victor read for us. This famous psalm is part of the book 4 of Psalm. You may not realize this, but there are books within books, right? And in the Psalms, there are five books within the Psalms. And this is part of book 4. It's part of a collection that really was intended to encourage the exiles in Babylon to publicly offer their thanks to God. And as we look at this Psalm 100, which is, I know the children probably have memorized this by heart, they know it very well. And we look particularly at this Psalm, we realize that this Psalm, the verse that summarizes what this Psalm is teaching us is verse 4. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. We could summarize this psalm with simply this. What the psalmist is telling us is simply this. Give your thanks to God. Give your thanks to God. And to encourage us to give our thanks to God, it gives us two reasons in this psalm why we should give thanks. Just two reasons I want to share why we should give thanks to God. First of all, give thanks to God because He is true. Give thanks to God because He is true. We must give thanks to the God of the Bible because He is the only true God who is worthy to be worshipped with our heartfelt thanks. Look at verse 1 to verse 3. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. And then he says this. Know that the Lord Yahweh, he is God. Last week, if you were, um, or the week before, I guess it's last week. Well, I guess it's two weeks now, since it, the, the week starts on a Sunday. But the government published the Queen's birthday honors list. And if you may remember, it's a delayed list because it should have come out in June. But they delayed it because they wanted to add some more people to the list to recognize uh, those who worked very hard to, it, during the COVID pandemic. That's what, that's what they said, but actually the pandemic is on. So uh, I'm not sure why, 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 why they state it sort of backward looking. We are still struggling with the pandemic, aren't we? The, but that's what the list des- was designed to do. It was really meant to recognize those who helped, who are helping, we should say, the national response to COVID. of the owners on that list went to those in local communities, including those who supplied free meals to those who were shielding, NHS workers, and people like that. They were given honors to show our gratitude, our national gratitude, uh, for their hard work and dedication. That's what the Prime Minister said. They They are unsung heroes who deserve our collective thanks. You see, when we thank a person, we are saying to them, if it was not for you, 
my life would be worse. I hold my deep gratitude, deep debt to you for your kindness. That's what thanks express. So in one sense, thanksgiving is an act of worship. And here the psalmist is saying to us, there is only one person who truly deserves thanks. Look at that verse again. Make a joyful noise to the Lord Yahweh, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that Yahweh, he is God. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. The word Lord there is in capital letters, and you might have heard me say Yahweh, because actually that is the name. It is a personal name of the one true God of the Bible. The true and faithful God of Israel, Yahweh. So the psalmist, what he's really saying to us in verse 3, he's saying, give your heartfelt thanks to the God of the Bible, because he alone, no one else, is God. There is no one besides him. And notice that the psalmist here is calling on everyone on earth. Make a joyful noise to all the earth. This is an evangelistic psalm, we might say. He is saying to all the nations, stop giving thanks to your idols. Right? Start thanking the true God. The God of the Bible is the only one who deserves to be thanked. Because why? Because he alone made us. It is who, he who made us. We are his. We are not of ourselves. We are his creation. We are his people, of course, even more in Christ Jesus. He is saying we owe our lives to him. He is our maker. You see, one of the reasons we do not give thanks to God is that there are other things that are always competing with our thanks to God. The problem of our thanklessness is actually a problem of diverting thanks to somewhere else. That's the issue. Human beings by nature cannot help but be thankful. But the problem is that we thank the wrong things. Or we might even say, we thank the wrong person. And for the people during the time of Psalm 100, when it was written, the nations, the first gods were the idols who they thanked. They thanked these things, these creeping things. The people literally gave thanks to wooden figurines. It's quite remarkable, isn't it? They carved something up and then they brought it and said, yeah, let's give thanks to this thing. This thing, we owe our lives to this wooden thing we have just made. Now, of course, we're not living in the time of Psalm 100, right? Today in the UK, the first gods we thank are the NHS. We clapped for the NHS, didn't we, for loads of weeks. This country has never clapped as it clapped then. Certainly not even on Sundays. I mean, we thank God there are churches where people clap for God, right? But, I mean, nationally, there's, we have never clapped as much as that. We, have, we clapped for the NHS. We expressed our worship of the NHS for six weeks. That was the idol. And of course, the other idol at present nationally is the science. If we can decide which science, of course, now. Right? And of course, as individuals, the person we thank most, who do we thank most as individuals? It's not your mom. It's not your dad. The person you thank most in your life is yourself. 
You know, when we do very well in our exams, we want to ensure everybody knows how smart we are, don't we? When we pass that interview, we want everybody to know that it was down to our great effort. We just asked that interview. If our children are behaving well, are we not secretly proud that finally, finally we have cracked parenting? <laughs> Is there not just that hint of self-congratulation that, yeah, you know, I told her to sleep at the right time and she did. I think I did well there, right? When we get a pay rise, right, don't we put it down to our hard work, the promotion? How do I know we put it down to our hard work? Well, because when we are given the money from our pay rise, we spend it on us. That's self-congratulation right there. We don't give back to God. When God blesses us with other material things like living, like having our own home, right? Living there or food on the plate. How much do we thank God really for those things? How much do you say, God, I thank you that I have a roof on my head. It is not as big as a neighbor down the road, but it is okay. And I'm very thankful for it. My guess is that you did that when you first moved in. After that, you really never think about the home as something to thank God for the fact that you've got a roof on your head. Well, why is it like that? It's not that you're not thanking anyone, it's just that you're thanking yourself. You thank God once, but now you thank yourself. Do you see it? It is not just the government who divert thanks from God to human beings. All of us in different ways are guilty of this heinous evil. And in Psalm 3, the psalmist is inviting us to, this is the truth of this, this psalm, it's inviting us to stop diverting thanks from God. If you remember anything, that's the big truth. He's teaching us, know that only Yahweh is God. Only Yahweh deserves thanks. Because it is He who made us and we are His. So come before God and confess Him as He alone deserves our thanks. That's why this call has gone out to the nation. Stop diverting thanks. Come before God. Confess Him as the only one who deserves thanks. Confess Him truly and in effect become His people so that you can be the sheep of His pasture. He's saying stop robbing God of worship. That's the bottom line. Stop robbing God of worship. If we learn anything from Psalm 100, it is this. We cannot separate thanks from worship. The two things are bound tightly together. We cannot thank God as He truly deserves unless we acknowledge Him as our true God. He alone is worthy to be worshipped with your thanks. So the first point I want to, us to think about this morning as we think about God's providence in our lives and how much He deserves thank, thanks for being God is I want to ask you this question. Do you have a thankful heart towards God? Are you growing in giving thanks to God even as you wrestle with difficult situations in your life? If we looked at a video of your life over the last week, what would it tell us about your heart? Would it, say, would it reveal, would it convince us that, yeah, so-and-so, they live for God. They give thanks to God. And they are growing in gratitude towards God. We need to take this question very seriously. I think this, there is, this is a serious oversight for many of us who profess to be believers. 
And so let us take this word from the psalmist. To give God your thanks because he is your true God. That's the first truth. The second and final truth we learn from this psalm is that we must give God thanks because he is good. So point number one, give God your thanks because he is true. The second reason the psalmist gives us is give God your thanks because he is good. He is a good God. Now, if you read the honors list two weeks ago, you know that Sir David Attenborough, right, is now a Sir Sir David, right? He received a second knighthood. I didn't even know they did that sort of stuff. But apparently you can call him Sir Sir David, right? I found that puzzling. I know some of you love Sir, Sir David Attenborough, but I found it puzzling that Sir David Attenborough got a knighthood. Because Sir David hates people. He has been promoting population control in the developing world for many years now. Sir David is a patron of the charity called Population Matters, which is working flat out to ensure people in Africa and Latin America and in East Asia have few or no children to help the environment. He's done this for years. And of course, you don't need me to spell out the despicable things that Sir David and his influential friends are lobbying poor nations to adopt, to achieve their end of population control. Sir David has been thanked by Her Majesty's government, shockingly, when he believes people, especially, listen to me, especially poor people are a plague on the planet that need to be exterminated in the womb. That's shocking. It's a new eugenics, really. And we gave him a second knighthood. I mentioned Sir David not really just to single him out. Uh, there are many, I mean, there's Dizzy Rascals that, on, that, on that list, right? That says it all, right? There are many on that list who I don't think deserve a knighthood. I mention it because simply because, simply to make the point that not everyone we give thanks to is good. It is possible to give thanks to evil people. And in fact, the psalmist knows this. So he makes it clear to us, God is not like Sir David. Give God your thanks because he really deserves it. Give God your thanks because he is really good. Look at verse 4 and 5. He says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. And then he says, it's why? For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. The point the psalmist is making to us is that when we do not give thanks to God, genuinely, we are treating God as a repulsive thing. We are treating God as horrible. We are saying God is not worthy of our thanks. But God is not horrible. He is not evil. He is not a fraud. He is really good. The goodness of God is not some clothes God puts on and then takes off. It is part of his spiritual DNA. God is truly good all the time, isn't it? He's all good and all the time. And because God is good, listen to this, everything he does is good. 
Whatever God is doing in your life at the moment is being good to you. Through and through. And I, and I know that's quite shocking, isn't it? But it is being good to you. This is true even with suffering in your life. God has allowed COVID-19 to disrupt our church gathering this year. Why? Because he's somehow being good to us. Because the Lord is good. Good is not something God decides to do. It is who he is. God is allowing you to struggle with work, struggling to find work, struggling to deal with bosses at work because he is good to you. God allowed you to marry a difficult person because he is good to you. Maybe you had a tough background growing up. God allowed that because he was being good to you. God is allowing you to struggle emotionally because he is good to you. He is allowing you to struggle with parenting because he is being good to you. That's a confession that the psalmist wants you to confess with him. For the Lord is good. I know that puzzles many of us here. It puzzled me as I was thinking about this. And I'm not saying this to belittle the very difficult and painful situation you are in at the moment. And I know you're thinking, as I was saying that, what is so good about struggling with debt? What is so good about sleepless nights worrying about my future? Now, I don't know the specific answer to that. But what I do know from the authority of Scripture is that God knows it is hard for you to believe it is good. He knows that. He knows you're finding it hard to trust in his goodness. That's why you struggle with giving thanks to him. Genuine thanks. I'm not just saying, singing a hymn. Genuine, heartfelt thanks. You, you struggle with that because of other pressures. And that is why he tells us here, isn't it? That we can be confident that God is good. He doesn't just say that God is good. He gives us a reason we can be confident God is good. And it's in verse 5. For the Lord is good. Why? Because his steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. You see, the love of God it is talking about here is not um, some general kind of love. It is a special love for his chosen people. Those who know him as their God. His sheep. The, the point the psalmist is making here is that the goodness of God really is proven in the fact that he has given himself to his people forever. And he has a love for his people that never quits. You see, God has every reason to quit on loving any human being because all of us, by nature, remember, are enemies against God. No one deserves any love for God. But God's goodness is such that he has willingly committed to love and care for us. He brings us into a permanent relationship with him. That's what this Bible is getting at. For the Lord is good. Why? Because his steadfast love, his love that never quits, endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. You see, in the Old Testament, this special love of God, you see, was only enjoyed by Israel, who God chose historically as part of his work of salvation in the world. If you like to prepare the way 
for the coming of the Messiah. In the New Testament, of course, the Messiah has arrived. So this love of God is now available to us Gentiles through the new covenant God has established on the cross, through the death of Jesus. This is why Jesus died on the cross. To make this love which never quits available to us. Jesus died on the cross in our place to take away our sin against God. He died so that anyone who trusts in him can have a new and full life with God. You see, Jesus is the God of Psalm 100. This is the, Jesus is God entering human history to give full and never-ending super-duper goodness to us. To receive his full love. That's what he's offering us. And if you're trusting in Jesus this morning, if you're trusting in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the full goodness of God is now available to you every day because you share life with God. You were once banished from the presence of God because of your sin. But Jesus died for you, a sinner, so that you can be brought into the very presence of God. And this is why the psalmist, notice here, the psalmist doesn't just say, give thanks to God. That's not all he says. He says, give God thanks with joyful noise, with singing, with gladness. Look at this one again. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. You see, the joyful noise and the glad singing are not something we crank up. It's not something we are, in fact, having to give God as such. They are results of being in the very presence of God. As we gaze on the delight of God, as it dawns on us who God is, we cannot help but give thanks to Him. Think of this like being in a football stadium, right? And your team is winning, right? The other side are all quiet. But your side, of course, there's joyful noise, isn't it? Coming from the stands where you are. You remember the stands a long time ago, right? <laughs> when, they, when people actually used to watch football matches, right? Not that stuff you're having to do through a pixel screen as it were. Right? Now, you are there in person. Your team is winning, right? And what happens is that it's just the winning, the fact that you're winning. No one needs to tell you to sing. You are singing because you're winning. It's a response from what's taking place. You are on the winning side, so you have something to sing about. The other guys are quiet, or they are singing, trying to encourage the team, quietly, right? You see, it is, we sing because it is great, we have a great God. It is great to have God as our shepherd, so we make a joyful noise about it. It is great to be loved by him, so we sing songs of gladness to him. The psalmist is saying to us, give God your thanks because you have it all in Jesus. Give God your thanks because God is good to you. So make a joyful noise to him. Now I know that sometimes it feels like God is removed from us. Maybe as you sit here this morning, you you feel like God is moving too slow to fix your marriage. God is moving too slow to fix your family. God is moving too slow to fix your place of work. I feel sometimes that God is moving too slow to fix his church. We feel like God is moving too slow to mend our broken society. We feel sometimes like he has momentarily left us to deal alone with an authoritarian, increasingly draconian and authoritarian government. 
Sometimes it feels like God is close to our prayers for revival. We long for God to send His power among us to revive His church. And sometimes it feels like God is moving too slow. You see, the weight of the problems and concerns we face in life, these concerns can tempt us to divert our thanks from God. And even if we don't divert our thanks from God, what what the problems do is that they can dim those thanks. We can say thank you to God, but not really from our heart. We can come to church and sing praises, but the weight of our problems means that we can't even shout loudly. We can't even sing loudly. Less vigorous in our singing. Less vigorous in our heartfelt expression in other areas of life. But this passage, beloved, this morning is reminding us. Because we trust in Jesus. If you trust in Jesus, whatever issue you are facing, you have every reason to give God your thanks. In Jesus, we have the love of God that never quits on us. In Jesus, God is committed to be with us through thick and thin. We are never alone. In Jesus, God has welcomed you into his heavenly courts. He has given you full and unrestricted access to be with him in his presence. In Jesus, God is your shepherd. And you are truly the sheep of his pasture. The goodness of God is providing and caring for you every second of your life. That's a fact. You are loved, provided for, and welcomed in God's life today in this COVID-ravaged world as you will be welcomed in heaven. It's so important you get that. You will not have more of God there than you have now. God is present with you. You enjoy it more perhaps because... Of course, you'll be transformed into the image of Christ fully, right? But God loves you. The way God will love you in heaven is how he loves you now. The way God will care for you in heaven is how he's caring for you now. The way God will provide for you in heaven, or in the new world to come, in the new heavens and new earth, is how he's providing for you now. You have all the Holy Spirit you need now to be cared for. So this morning, I just want to invite you, as we think about God's providence to us, I want to invite you to think afresh about how wonderful this God we have in Jesus is. I want to encourage you to repent on any areas of your life where you are failing to give thanks to God. And I want you to come honestly before God this morning. Tell him those things that are really making it very difficult for you to live life of thanks before him. Ask God to help you grow in giving thanks to him. And as you do that, well, it's like a football team. The more you give thanks to God, the more you realize what you have, the more joy and happiness and you enjoy just being with God. You grow in happiness. You grow in loving God even in difficult situations. Well, may the Lord help us to give our thanks to God. Amen.